Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to Easter at Friends Church. It's good to have you here. It's good to see all your faces. Um, Yeah, Easter this year feels just a little different than last year and the year before. It's getting better. It's feeling a little bit more relaxed in here. I can see your faces. It's awesome. There's also a lot of people that will be joining us via live stream. And uh, maybe we'll listen to this podcast. We want you to know we see you too. And we're sorry we couldn't be with you here today on Easter, but we are grateful and proud that you're tuning in to us as well. You know, Friends Church is a, is a place we've often said, you know, it's a spiritual community full of people that don't easily fit into kind of traditional church realms and circles, you know? Around here at Friends Church, we tend to ask probably a lot more questions than we have answers for. We tend to wrestle with stuff and even Easter, we talk about Easter and the story you'll find maybe in a different way than maybe some of you have grown up in traditional circles would be used to. And that's okay, but don't be fooled. We take our spiritual journey very seriously. We tend to value the way people live more than necessarily how they specifically believe. We tend to really invest ourselves in a way of, of living and loving. That being such a high spiritual mandate around here. Yeah, if you're new around here this morning, maybe you got dragged in by a friend or a family member. Maybe you're here going, I can't believe I'm in church right now. I just want you to feel at home. Just relax. You're among a bunch of people who are extremely normal, aren't we? Well, relatively speaking, we all got our stuff. We come in with our own list of setbacks and struggles and challenges. We all have our own personal dreams and hopes that we hope one day to experience. And so if you're new here, just know that you're in good company. We probably are chasing the same kind of thing that you are. We're glad you're with us this morning about the Easter service today. So typically what we do is we'd front end load the, the service with a bunch of music and then partway in we would come up and we would talk. But we decided to kind of mess with the order. We're just kind of, we got a smorgasbord. We got, we got some music and then some talking, music talking. It's just going to kind of be a, a mixed bag of that going on this morning, but it's all tied around a theme that we find so compelling about Easter. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a theme that we think can speak powerfully to your life like it has to ours. So this morning as we play and as we sing, as we talk, you know, our hope is that you would be able to go inside yourself and think deeply about your own journey. Maybe this will be the first time you've done this. That's all right. We hope this morning will be an incredible journey for you to thinking about where you've come from and where you're going, why, why you're even here right now in this moment in history. And maybe you too will experience the beautiful message of Easter that we just can't wait to talk about. Enjoy your morning this morning. You know, it's funny, of all the different themes that can be pulled out of Easter, don't want to depress you, but one of, one of the prominent themes is death. 
it's, it's, it's everywhere in, in the stories and the life and the talking of Jesus, but especially around the Easter events. It's also threaded through this ritual that has been so powerfully demonstrated and practiced again and again within the, the modern Jewish community called Yom Kippur. And so this morning, we're going to talk about death, not so much in a depressing way, but talking about the beautiful things that come, come from it. So we invite you into it, into the conversation. Enjoy your morning. Morning, everyone. I turned 50 this year. Thanks, Dave. Keep coming. Keep coming. Appreciate it. <laughs> what is it about 50 that evokes so much reaction? I find that as I approach my birthday, my brain is going both forward towards my birthday and then backwards through my whole life. I start to find myself going through kind of like, oh, what? When I was that age, what was it like? And, and what did I do there? And how did I get to here? One of the patterns I've noticed as I do this is um, my brain has this kind of sticky point on all the things that I see as failures in my life. Anyone have that as you go back through? You can be like, oh yeah, that was that went good, that went good, yeah, yeah. Oh, there, that went really bad. I was in grade seven, I took French because I was of the age where you had to take French, and I failed French. It was the first course I ever failed. I'm going to blame it on my quintessentially gorgeous French teacher, but the reality is I didn't do any work in that class. I can still feel that failure. Fast forward to university, my second year in, I had a class at 8 o'clock on a Tuesday and Thursday. (laughs) You already know how that went. Failed that one too. And I can feel my brain starting to pull these patterns of like, wait a second, you failed there and you failed there. I got divorced about 10 years ago. Oh, that one I can remember. My brain has this kind of like, oh yeah, you failed that, didn't you? Years before, as another long-term relationship, that one failed. So really, I'm on my third marriage right now. And I can hear the voices of my past. Yeah, sure, I've learned from some of this stuff. I've grown. I'm a healthier person. I can do that work and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, thank you for that. The reality is, I can also hear the whisper of the failures saying to me, hey, Vince, you're kind of lazy, aren't you? Hey, Vince, you're really shitty at relationships. I can feel those. As you look back through your life, you're maybe not doing a 50-year look back, but what stuff do you see that you go, ooh, I still remember that one. That one still sticks in my head. As we look back through the biblical tradition, this is not new. I'm not the first person to come up here and say, hey, look, I got a bunch of failures in my life, and they still talk to me. You look back through some of our our characters and and the stories that we remember, there's a guy named Peter. He was the best friend of Jesus. 
at the moment, just as we lead up to the Easter story, there's this moment where Jesus gets pulled apart by the authorities and Peter's right there. And someone says to him, hey, wait a second, don't you know Jesus? Peter's looking at it going, you're asking me if I know my best friend? The guy who's changed my life? And Peter says, no, I never heard of the guy. Think of the voice whispering in his ear years and years later. What kind of a friend am I? There's this character named Abraham. He's one of the main characters in the biblical story. If you look at the Jewish tradition, he's one of the, what they call the patriarchs, the big guns. You know what he does to avoid a fight with his wife? To avoid a fight with his wife, he sends one of his kids into the desert to die. Now, the kid doesn't die, but could you imagine looking at the face of your child and going, I just about killed you to avoid a fight with my wife? What kind of thoughts would be whispered in that guy's head from that day forward? Or King David, he sees a woman on a a, a rooftop, and he falls in lust with her, and he, he, he wants to be with her, but she's married, and so he has her husband killed. So he can have her without any consequences. Or so he thinks. Think of the voices in his head as he looks at that screw up and goes, what did I do? So my question is, what is the voices in our heads? As we look at some of our mistakes are huge, some of them are little, these tiny little things, but it just keeps happening over and over again. Craigery started this service, and actually the service is built around Craigery's music selection this year. He asked us this question of... <laughs> Thanks, Craig. <laughs> he asked us this question of, what, do we, what does it look like when we explore death? And when I thought about that, my first thought was this. What would happen if those voices in my head, the voices in your head of all the failures and the hurts and the habits and the... the shit that's gone wrong in our lives? What if we could let that die? What if we could just let it die so it's not, I'm not living in my third marriage, I'm living in my first marriage. I'm not living in this belief that keeps saying to me, ah, the problem is, Vince, it's you, you don't know how to do relationships well. I'm going, wait a second, no, clean slate. How would I do this today if I've never failed at it before? What if we thought today through this lens of death of what in our lives needs to die? What is holding us back? What is keeping us from being what we can be? What if we let that die today? The Jewish community has this, this, this ritual called Yom Kippur. Jeff mentioned it. It's, it's the foundation of the Easter story. And the, the idea was this. You, every year, they would come together in this ritual. And everyone would take, say, okay, what didn't I do well this year? What did I screw up? What did I fail at? What did, what's the stuff that's driving me nuts and keeping me awake at night? Okay, I'm going to write it down. Okay, there was my divorce. 
and then that class I failed, and then the time I yelled at my wife, and then that time, you know, I did this. We write it down. And then they tied it to a goat, a literal goat. The animal services people wouldn't let us bring a goat in and sacrifice it. What's up with that stuff? They tie it to a goat, and they'd send the goat out into the wilderness to be taken care of. The metaphor is, that stuff is dead. That stuff that's holding us back, that stuff that's driving us nuts, that stuff that keeps whispering in your ear, don't even try because you're not going to do it. You've tried it how many times? It's not going to work. Just give up. That dies. What would it feel like to be free of those things today? The Easter story says it this way. It says Jesus takes on, or at least one reading of the story is, Jesus takes on all the times we've missed the mark. All the times we wanted to be something and then we didn't do it. Who, we weren't who we were supposed to be in that moment. We said yes to something we shouldn't have. We said no to something we should have said no to. We put that on Jesus and then there's death and the, that stuff is over. But then there's resurrection. New life. Freedom. And that's what we want for all of us today. Freedom. Freedom from a past that says, we're not good enough. We can't do this. Freedom. And so today, I want to invite you to just take a deep breath. Feel those things that are dragging you down. As we go through this, I'm going to encourage you to start letting them go. But not just because I want to have freedom, although I do. I want this sense of like to resurrect me. To be active in my life, to not be held down by saying you can't do that and you screwed up at that and you're lazy and you're, you suck and all that stuff. Let that go and feel resurrection. When Gregory brought me that song, the, the line was resurrect me and I was like, oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> uh, it's good, it's good. <laughs> Resurrect me. I tell you, I got parts of my life that uh, need to die and some that need to, need to live. But I mean, when I start thinking about things I need to die, I, I often think of my insecurities. I don't know about you, but man, I got these things in my head, these voices that come alive in some of the most unexpected times and places that just chip away wear me down. I've had this one um, where I just, I get insecure about people thinking I'm smart enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if anyone else, maybe you're all, you, and none of you ever have struggled with this, but I, like, I, I remember even my kids feeling it really rear its head when they're they're dealing with something and I'm trying to help them understand something and they're just dismissing. And I, I, I could feel this 
sense of, no, you, you can trust me. I know this, pal. You, you, you need to believe me on this. I got this. Trust me. No, dad. That's not how this works. Whether it was homework, and I'm just like, or things that were going on in a relationship with them. There are times when I'm just sitting with adults and we're having a conversation and I'll say something and it can be completely unintentional. But they'll just look right past and say, oh, I really love what you said. And they point to someone else. Harmless. But something in my head starts saying, Jeff, you're such a poser. They know you don't know what you're talking about. They're thinking that. It's funny what happens when that voice starts talking and I have one of these little, and it can come out of the blue, it can happen the weirdest times, but then I go away and it's like, it could be like a day like today. I mean, just beautiful. But all of a sudden, it's like emotionally the clouds just roll in. And I'm just replaying that conversation. Going, what the hell, Jeff? Why did you have to say it that way? Why didn't you say this? Oh, that looks so stupid, Jarvis. And I can just go inward. Have you ever had moments like that? I didn't know it in these moments as I became more and more aware of this insecurity that I was starting to learn about myself, that I was actually able to step outside of even just me in those moments and go, that's an insecurity, Jeff. That's robbing something. It's taking something away from you. Do you see it? When I'm in the moment, I'm not seeing it. But then I'd have these moments. I'd step out and I'd go, oh, oh, that's what's going on. That, that's hurting you, Jeff. I didn't realize it, but this process of stepping out and seeing it was me learning about my eye, what we've been talking about over the last number of months around here. Seeing into me, my 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 makeup, my character, my personality, my flaws, my, my dreams, my aspirations, learning how I'm kind of ticking, stepping back. It's almost like I'm looking at this model of Jeff and going, oh, oh, that's interesting, Jeff. You really seem to have this thing, this insecurity around how people see you, especially being smart or not smart. Huh. Over the last number of months, we've been illustrating different parts of the spiritual journey. And, and this act of stepping back and noticing something about you, about yourself, is an important part of the spiritual journey. It's the discovery of I. Many people will walk through life not realizing just who they are, what's going on inside, why they're reacting, why they act the way they do, why they want what they want. They're just doing it. The spiritual journey pulls you out of the story and says, just pay attention here. Look at you in that moment. Look what just happened. Look at how that word that that person said affected you. Do you see it? Oh, yeah. Look at that. Interesting. 
We begin to explore all these inner workings of our lives. We discover our eye. A lot of the spiritual work that we do in this stage of the journey is learning how to identify those things that are getting in our way of of becoming who we were really meant to be. To see it and go, oh, that's problematic. Yeah, that thing needs to die in me. That thing needs to get crucified. That thing needs to, because it's messing things up. But at some point, the journey, the progression doesn't just stop at noticing yourself. At some point, what ends up happening in the journey is you begin to notice someone else. You begin to notice what's going on in the lives of other people around you. It's like you're able to step back and notice your partner, your child, your coworker. Rather than getting caught up in the drama, you're able to step back and go, whoa, 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 what's going on here? Who is this person? Why do they keep saying things that way? Why do they want that so bad? Oh, they have a passion for that. That's why they, oh, we start noticing people around us. We say it this way. They're the them. We notice the them in our world. It's not just this self-centered, egocentric universe that we live in. We step up and we begin noticing all these people around us and what's making them tick. We call them, we call it them awareness. But then it takes one step further on the journey. And this is often a painful realization. It's when us stepping back and noticing us here and our, some of our dysfunction, some of our stuff, some of our triggers, some of our insecurities, our fears, our anxiety, we begin to realize just how much of our stuff is affecting them. It moves out of just, man, I just got to get out of my own way because I got to live this better life. No, it changes. It evolves where we begin to realize, man, my shit is making hell for someone else. See, if it was just my insecurity that just held me down, made life miserable for me, that'd be one thing. But man, when you begin to see your insecurities starting to surface in your kids... when you see them experiencing turmoil because they got the same voice going on in their ears as you're familiar with, and you're thinking, am I feeding that? Is my insecurities chipping away and eating you? This stage of the spiritual journey is a powerful realization when you begin to realize, wow, we are way more connected than I thought we are. This isn't just my thing. This isn't just my little problem. It's bleeding. It's leaking. It's affecting. And in the same way, these people over here, their world, my family, my friends, my coworkers, their lives are bleeding into me. We are connected. What we do that's good can, can affect them, but what? damage we can do to them as well. This is that next level that we call we space where we begin to realize, wow, 
we can affect powerfully the people around us if we're willing to let die some of these things that are getting in our way. We can harmonize. We can build. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. The thing you can do can actually light up the path for that person there. We recognize, and it's interesting, Jesus, uh, you know, we call him Jesus, this character, this, this man that we read of in the Bible, but in the Hebrew, his name is Yeshua, which means the one who saves. And we've, we've interpreted that a lot of different ways in different religious circles. In Christian circles, it's focused a lot around the saving of the physical life from hell after death, you know, that kind of thing. But we think a lot about Jesus as the one who saves people from living hell. You look at his body of work, it was like he was so concerned. He talked so much about helping people and what they were experiencing in the here and now, today. Trying to help alleviate suffering right now. We recognize the act of saving is perhaps not just the role that one guy played 2,000 years ago, but that, in fact, he might have been inviting us, you and I, into saving roles. That perhaps every time we will face into our insecurity, into our little stuff, the things that are getting in our way, that we, in fact, can turn around and save people from the misery we create that we in fact can actually help change and alter the direction of others around us. It's not just for my good. The spiritual journey isn't just some kind of success pill I'm taking to make my life better. That in fact, the spiritual journey is as much about those around me, the world that I'm actually impacting and creating This is the part of the journey when we begin to realize that we're a part of something perhaps way bigger than just my little universe. We're a part of something way bigger. We become aware of something deeper and wider, this purpose, this underlying purpose to all of this, to me, to what I am, to how I'm wired, insecurities and all. And the role I can play, the role that you can play to to elevate, to lift up, to light up other people. To become this thriving force of good that's not creating hell, but creating heaven right here. You know, there's a band called Gunger who wrote a song that talks about creating beautiful things. Oh, it's, um, the imagery is, is amazing. But it speaks to so much of what we see, the whole, the whole thing about the spiritual journey. It's about creating, creating beautiful things out of that which is broken, out of that which is dysfunctional, out of that which creates pain. Create beautiful things. Man, what a great story. You make beautiful things out of us out of the dust, out of the, the bad stuff that's happened in this last year, this last 50 years. 
We started Act One by saying, what if there's stuff in you that needs to die? What if there's stuff in me that needs to die? Stuff that's holding me back and telling me I'm not good enough, insecurities, failures. As this message has progressed, are they starting to coalesce in your head of like, oh, what's the thing? What's that one thing? If we let that die, though, if we let that go and put it aside and go, wait, what if I can start fresh? Clean slate. What beautiful thing could I be then? And then Jeff started to talk about this idea of spirituality that says, we are not separate. My behavior impacts the people around me. And we have this sense of we that says, the work I'm doing on myself today is actually the work that I'm going to do on everyone around me. And if I decide that, no, 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 this is too hard. (laughs) I like my bad stories. I like my bad habits. I like this thing that keeps me not trying hard. I like that. I don't want to try this. Screw you, Clausen. Screw you, Jarvis. Not doing it. But then you realize that impacts everyone around you. It gets sobering, doesn't it? The spirituality of we that says we are interconnected, that my actions and your actions impact each other and influence each other. We can create hell. Literally, just do nothing. Don't try and do anything better. Just literally live your life. Or we can try to create that beautiful thing. The heaven all around us. It takes courage. This is not easy work. I was going back through the people in the Bible that I thought about this message through. There's a guy named Moses. One of the earliest guys in the Bible, if you see the, there's some cartoons. I don't have kids. So there's a cartoon thing about Moses. He, anyways, whatever. The, the thing starts with Moses going, I stutter when I talk. I can't speak well. How exactly am I supposed to lead a nation when I stutter? So he let that die. He let die the story that says, if you can't speak without stuttering, you have no value as a leader. He let it die. And he took the entire nation from where they are 40 years later to someplace completely different, someplace beautiful. That's the beautiful thing that can be created. Joshua, his, his, his um, successor, his thing that he had to put aside was fear. He was scared. Everything scared him, man. It was like, ah, what if I do it wrong? What if I don't do this right? He let that die. Before him, Joshua wouldn't even be around if Rahab, she was a woman who was forced into to, uh, sex work. Instead of in, in feeling the shame of what she had to do to survive, she let that die and said, no, 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 I can save Joshua when he was stuck in a city that was hostile. None of this story would have happened if she hadn't let die this idea that says, I am less than. Fast forward, you can go through the entire biblical the history. A guy named Paul wrote most of the New Testament, most of the Christian Bible. He started his journey trying to kill the Christians that he ended up writing for. Try doing that. Hey, by the way, I tried to bomb this company. Now I'd like to be the CEO. 
He let that past die. What's the piece that you need to let die to create something beautiful? Do you know it? There's a piece of paper underneath your chairs with a little pencil. Pick it up if you want. You don't have to do this. What we know from this last series is motivation hacks work. And you know what one of the motivation hacks that work is? Ritual. Writing things down. Doing something with it. So today, we're going to invite you, if you want, to take that piece of paper, write that thing that's holding you back. Write the thing that you need to work on. It might be the first time you've ever thought about this. This might be something you've worked on for 10 years straight, and you're writing it again. Great. That's the spiritual journey. Write down on there what it is. For me, divorce. Failing class. Write down whatever it is. Crumple it up so no one can see it. And while the band plays this next song, I would encourage you to come up and drop it into this burn barrel. There's nothing magical about the burn barrel. (laughs) What we're going to do at the end of the service is Jeff's going to take it outside. We're going to light it on fire and burn all this stuff away. It's dead. We're going to let it go. We're going to embrace freedom. We're going to let it resurrect us into this we space where we can do things that impact the people around us and make heaven, not hell. So the band's got a a final song that they're going to play. It's a beautiful song. There's a lot of space in it. Take your time. Write one thing down on that piece of paper. Write 20 things down on that piece of paper. And when you're ready, curl up into a ball, come up here, throw it in. You can watch it the whole time. No one's going to look at it. We are going to burn it all up so you can write, like, be really honest. Don't let the person next to you see. Like, hide it underneath your hand. And let's let that stuff that's holding us back die. You know, we've been doing this ritual of the burning barrel now for a few years, and uh, I got to admit, one of the things I, I wrote on my paper, it's visit number three. <laughs> But the hold it has on me is getting smaller and smaller. I don't know if it'll ever be gone. But Easter, Easter serves as a reminder that I am continually bearing that thing. And as a result, it's creating some life. And that's my prayer for you. No matter how many times you've, you've faced these personal demons that you're saying, I want to be free of this. You just keep burying them. You keep letting it die. You'll try to find its way back. You just keep letting it die. We'll just keep burning them. And the life that's going to be produced. God made the life that gets produced from the death that we're experiencing in parts of our lives. May it be beautiful. May our kids and our society, our coworkers, our marriages... May, may, may they be the beneficiaries. May you create some beautiful things in us and through us this year, we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going uh, we're, we're to bring this service to a close here shortly. And then we're going to head out onto the patio and uh, we're going to torch this stuff. And it, it's only like a, a minute that we spend out there, but 
we invite you to come out, rally around the fire. We don't even need it. It's a nice day, you know, but we invite you to come around and, and visualize that thing or those things that you wrote and put in here. Visualize those things dying. Emily. Good morning. Thanks for being with us this morning. My name's Emily. I'm part of the charitable giving team here at Friends Church. Um, with all the talk this morning about how we and the work that we individually do impacts the larger corporate we and the group and the community that we are here, I just wanted to drop a couple things um, with you and uh, have you consider them. Uh, we always are looking for financial support to continue what it is that we do here and to um, make sure that the work of Friends Church is sustainable. One of the ways that we have for you to contribute with us right now is to actually volunteer your time. Uh, we have a fundraising casino coming up at the end of May on the 27th and 28th of May, and we're still looking for a few more volunteers. Um, this event is something that has huge financial impact, and we need uh, your time in order to make it happen. So if you would please consider um, giving to us in that way, we would really appreciate it. You can check out available shifts and all kinds of details on our website, uh, friendschurch.ca slash casino. Um, I can say from personal experience that if you are at all nervous that you're, I don't know how to do that, I don't think I can handle that much money, don't worry. It is um, a very, very easy thing to do. Um, you are well guided and trained along the way, so please don't feel apprehensive about that. The other thing that I wanted to encourage you to do is to join in community with us through some of the groups that we have going on. Um, we have groups that meet all through the week around the city doing all manner of things, and I'm sure that one of them um, will kind of resonate with you and be something that you would enjoy. You can check out all of our groups also on our website, friendschurch.ca slash groups. And we would just encourage you to um, be part of the community here, to join us in that larger we, and to really um, enjoy the benefits that come from that. Thank you. Thanks, Emily. Let's just give the band one more round of applause, can we? Good job. Okay. Before we go, I just want to talk about the next series that's coming up. Jeff started this his piece talking about who am I? Have you thought about the number of different ways we've broken out answers to that question? Anyone heard of Myers-Briggs? The 16 different personality types, you know, like I'm INTJ and my wife's an EF something or other. I should know that, right? If there's an Enneagram, there's nine different numbers. I'm an eight. She's a nine. Jeff's a two-ish, three-ish, somewhere in there. There's all these different systems that break out who am I and help us kind of nuance down who am I. So you don't have to just be like, well, there's Vince. There's like, oh, no, no, I'm Vince, but I'm a, an eight with a nine wing. Actually, not a nine wing, an eight with a seven wing. Enneagram people got the joke on that one, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm going to let them stop laughing behind me. Um, so here's the question that started to really rack my brain. If we think our personalities can be nuanced that closely and with that much variance, so we can nuance ourselves right down to who am I, here's my question for you. How nuanced is your view of sexuality? When I first heard that question, it blew my mind. I was like, well, no, it's, it's sexuality, right? 
oh, there's not just sexuality. There's many nuanced understandings of what sexuality is for me, and it's different from the person next to me. And what turns me on is different from the person that, over here. And what works for me and what doesn't work and how much sexuality I have and how little I have. All of that, I'm realizing, is this incredibly nuanced conversation. And just like there's Myers-Briggs stuff that helps us understand personality, there's also pieces that help us understand sexuality. I didn't learn this in school, did you all? So if you think of sexuality as this kind of like sexuality, it's just one thing, right? Ah, this next series, we're going to start to explore the nuances of our sexuality, how it's different from the person next to you, and so you can start going, oh, wait, this is me, and that's them, and oh, now I can have a conversation. Now I can understand what works for me, and I can advocate for myself, or I can just be myself. So again, if you have this coarse view of sexuality that's just sexuality, oh no, come out to this next series. You're going to learn a lot. Okay, folks, let's do this. Let's burn this stuff, shall we? The band's going to play us out. If you want to come out, I'm going to grab some lighter fluid, and we're going to do this.